Amen. Uh, ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out how God has given us. If you're here for the first, second, or third time, like we said in the video, if you could fill out that connection card, and then as soon as you walk outside the door, there's going to be a nice table with nice people on your right. Uh, drop that off because we've got a gift for you to say thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, so we're, like I said, doing things different. We're starting a new series called New in Every Way, uh, and we're going to kick that off by looking at praying for healing. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and then we're going to go back into worship, and we're going to have our prayer ushers up here uh, who are are excited to pray for people today. We believe uh, that in all of our lives, without exception, there's brokenness, and God is a God of healing who wants to work that in us and through us. So that's how we're going to close today. We want to see God move in. We want to see God's presence be poured out over this place. We can't control that. We can't make a formula for it. So we're just going to do what the Bible says and ask uh, for God to come uh, and boldly ask and then see what God wants to do today. It's going to be an amazing day. I'm excited. Uh, next Sunday is also going to be awesome because we've got our anniversary service. As you head out today, there's some invite cards on the welcome table. You can pick up and pass those out. What we're going to be doing next Sunday, one of the things is we want to take an offering uh, to go toward our new building. If you're totally new here and have no clue what that means, uh, we've got four acres at Kings Canyon and Bergen, halfway between Fowler and Armstrong. Uh, we've got a church there that we bought in July, and now we need to make all the improvements that uh, the city is asking us to make, and that's a ton of money. Uh, so we want to take an offering to go toward improvements there and then stuff that, that we're doing globally like with Connect Church in Erfurt. Uh, so that's going to be next week with Tacos After Service. Great opportunity to bring people who don't yet know Jesus. Uh, but back to today. Fast forward. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 3 starting in verse 7. Uh, and I'm going to fast forward us from there into everything we're going to talk about today. And the first thing that we're going to see is that all of us are made new in every way through Jesus' death and resurrection. This is something that starts on Easter. Last week, what we talked about was that God sent Jesus into the world to live like us, to take on our sin, our imperfections on his perfect life, and to stand in our place before God. That when there, there's a reckoning, there's a payment that needs to happen for our sin, for the things that you and I have done to push ourselves away from God, Jesus came in to end that separation, to bring us back into a relationship with God. That happened on Good Friday where Jesus gave his life. He died so that we could live. But it doesn't just end there because if it ended there, church would always be a place of depression and downfall and just like horribleness. But what happened two days later was Jesus rose from the dead. Sunday morning, they go to his tomb to expect to see a body and there's nobody. Nobody expected nobody, but there was actually nobody there. Uh, Jesus had risen from the dead. He had walked out of his own grave. And that was a huge thing then and it's still a huge thing now because the world work of Jesus to rise from the dead and announce to everyone that sin no longer has control over all of our lives, that death and disease no longer has control over our lives, but it's still going to make a difference in all of our lives now to the point where we can say that we're made new in every way because of Easter, that Easter is continued to, to run itself through our lives, sticking around, having the effects of it stick around a lot longer than those little marshmallow peeps, which are already taking up dumpsters everywhere. We're made new in every way through Jesus' death and resurrection. And the good news of that, the way that, that that fleshes itself out, is it gives us an opportunity to experience new freedom and new forgiveness and new life from Jesus every single day. When the cross, uh, when Jesus had died on the cross, when he had been put in a tomb, and then when he walked out of his own grave, him walking out of his own grave is an announcement to all of us that regardless of how we walk in here or limp in here or barely get in here physically and spiritually, 
that our past or even our present in our life before Jesus has no hold on the way that we see ourselves now. Because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to come into all of our lives and remind us every single day that we've been made new in Jesus. And if you look at your own life and you're like, man, this, this has nothing to do with me. I'm good as I am. Then, then the cross means nothing to you. Then Easter means nothing to you. But what's brought the church together for 2,000 years is the idea, it is the belief that we are broken and lost without Jesus. And across the globe, across centuries, what makes a difference in Christians is seeing and remembering and, and telling people about the fact that Jesus makes us new, that Jesus makes us whole, that Jesus forgives us. And so that was Easter. And that's what made us new. And this is the type of thing that, that didn't just happen and then leave, but it happens and then it takes root and it goes viral in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So there's God the Father, which is usually predicted, like depicted as an old man with a beard. So you got God the Father, you got Jesus, who was God with skin on, who came to walk among earth. He's God in human form. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And before Jesus went back into heaven after his death and resurrection, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, which is going to be better than having me walking around with you. And nobody believed him. Like if you're here at church and there are a lot of things that people say that, that you have a big time struggling with, the people who wrote the Bible had a big time struggling with some of the things that Jesus said until they found out that he was actually telling the truth about life and about life with him. And so he says, when, one day I'm going to leave and the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the, the same word that he used there is the word that, that you can also use in that culture for lawyer. So picture a little guy with a briefcase and a tie chasing you around, living inside of you, saying, no longer say those things. I want you to live in a different way. I want you to be different. That's the Holy Spirit living in us to give us the power and the desire to live new lives. We talk about being made new in every way, and it's the work of the resurrection, and it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And what that did was it took the work of Jesus that started in a small area in Israel and makes it go viral across the whole world through the work of the Holy Spirit. So on the day of Pentecost, which is the day that, that we say when, that we believe in, as history tells us, that the Holy Spirit fell and filled people, that this group of Christians went from a small group huddled in a room living in fear because they had seen the resurrected Jesus, but they had no power to do anything about it. The Holy Spirit fills them and falls on them, and they spill into their city, speaking languages that they didn't know, speaking in tongues, things that God had given them, and all of a sudden people are hearing the good news about Jesus in their own languages. And 3,000 people get saved because there's a person, one of the people who are huddled in the room scared, who stands up and tells everybody about who God is, what Jesus had done for them, and gives them an opportunity to follow Jesus. We're made new in every way because of Jesus' death and resurrection, and then the way that the Holy Spirit pushes that out of us, the way that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live new lives. And so the guy who is preaching that day, his name's Peter, he makes lots of mistakes in life, but the Holy Spirit comes in and changes him like he does with you and me. And he's preaching, he's saying good news, and he's also healing people, demonstrating good works. And we're going to look at those two things today, where God comes into our lives with good news that we celebrate on Easter, but also works through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to bring healing, to bring repair in our lives where we need it, and restoration. So we're made new in every way through the death and resurrection. We're also made new in every way as we know God through Jesus. We're made new in every way as we know God through Jesus. 
You know, the, the passage that, that I told you to turn to, 2 Corinthians 3, 7, it says this, The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. Backstory needed, right? They're talking about the Ten Commandments. Moses on, on the mountain with fire and lightning and stuff behind him, holding these two big, big uh, plates of stone. And they had ten things that the people of Israel are supposed to do. There are ten commandments that we still live by. And, and the problem with those was they led to death. They led to people failing at those. And that's why Jesus had to come into the world. So he's saying this old way, it was good, but it didn't last. It led to death. And then in 9, if the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is this new way which makes us right with God? He's talking about Jesus. It's better. Verse 10, in fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which had been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is this new way which remains forever? Go to 13. We're going to come back to 12. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened and to this day whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when we read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But... Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So there's a lot of imagery and a lot of stuff that meant a lot back then that we don't understand. One of those things that when Moses, the guy with the Ten Commandments, is standing on the mountain with God, his face becomes so bright because he's in God's presence. And so he goes back to live among the people and they can't look at him because his face is so bright. So they put like a 1980s wedding veil over his head. So that way they could look at him. And what Paul is saying right here, Paul's the guy who wrote this, he's saying that when we come to know God, it's like that veil is removed and we can actually see God. In light of the resurrection, in light of Jesus being raised from the dead, that veil means something else. So in the temple where they believed, where, where God's presence lived to that point, uh, there was a huge veil. We got a picture of it. Uh, somebody went way back in time and posted it to Instagram. Uh, we got, it separated normal people from the Holy of Holies where God's presence lived. And you could only go in there if you had done all these things to make yourself pure. When Jesus died, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, saying that the separation between people who love God but, but aren't priests, that, that, that separation between them and priests is gone. That we're made priests in God's kingdom because of Jesus' work to make us right with him. So the veil is torn so people can now go into God's presence. And what this is new, what this is significant is because we're made new in every way as we know God through Jesus. There's no more veil. There's no more things to darken our face. His point is that you can now see and reflect the glory of God. That the plan all along was that for you and me, when we become Christians, we don't just add God onto our lives like another topping of pizza or another topping on ice cream at Coldstone. He's saying Jesus comes in and he changes everything. We no longer look just like a better version of ourselves. We now look like a life that God has come in and God has taken over. He's saying the point isn't for you to just use this to make yourself look better. The point is that you get off the throne of your own life, God comes in, and God takes over. 
There's a story in Acts 19 that, that gives me such a great picture of this. And it doesn't start out like a Bible story, or, de- or it starts out like a Bible story, definitely doesn't end like a Bible story. So that's how you know it's going to be a good story. Uh, so Paul, the guy who wrote this, he's going around the Mediterranean world doing ministry, casting out demons. And there's a guy who says, I want to learn more about this so that I can be more powerful. And so this guy who's wants to be more powerful. He's seeing the Christian church do things like casting out demons. And he goes into a guy who's demon-possessed, and he says, I'm going to pray for you. And the demon stands up, stares at him, and shouts, I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is, but I have no idea who you are. And so the demon-empowered man beats the guy up, strips him naked, and the priest runs out of the house naked. Okay, you can say that's a moral victory because he got to pray for somebody and show love, but if you're running away from a house butt naked because you wanted to make yourself look better, that's a loss in every book imaginable ever. We're made new as we come to know God through Jesus and as we reflect God in our lives. The best part of me is when Ken shrinks down and God is able to shine through me and that's the same for all of us. So what God does is he trains us to follow him. He trains us as we pray. Prayer prayer is our conversational relationship with God. And as we spend time talking to God, hearing from God, we learn more about God. We learn more about God as we read the Bible, as we read the book that God wrote. Us at Mountain View Sunnyside, we've got shape journaling, which is journaling along with what we read in our Bible because this book that was written thousands of years ago still wants to make an impact in our lives in April and May of 2019. He knows our week and God wants to make an impact in us. That's why we get involved in life groups and put other Christians around us so that we can rub off on each other and and train each other how to follow God. And thirdly, we're made new in every way as we, as we're made new in every way, we experience freedom from Jesus. Freedom through Jesus, from sin, and freedom from fear. It's the message of the cross for all of us, that our sin went to the cross. It was nailed on the cross with Jesus, and then it was left in the tomb. And as Jesus walks forth from his empty tomb into new life, he's taken us with him. That we experience freedom from sin, freedom from our past, freedom from the things that we've done that we don't ever want anyone to know about. We experience those things, we experience freedom from those things. Because Jesus came and gave his life for us. Fear crippled us. And as we learn to trust Jesus, what fear happens, what happens to fear is that it gives way to God's love and God's power in our lives. And that takes trust. For Peter, the guy who preached on Pentecost and 3,000 people said yes to Jesus, he wasn't a, like a guy who had no fear in his life. Just a few pages before that, he's running out of the courtroom, or the courthouse park, uh, saying he doesn't even know Jesus. And a few weeks later, he's telling thousands of people who Jesus is, that he's the savior of the world, and in challenging them to become Christians that day. That happens because the Holy Spirit changes us, and it takes away fear. It grows our trust in God. The more time we spend with God, the more trust that we have in who God is. So this year, along with reading the Bible and doing our shape journaling, we're also reading this book called Live Dead. Uh, It's written by missionaries in North Africa and the Middle East uh, in largely Islamic countries who are encouraging people uh, to become Christians and trying to build churches where there aren't any. Uh, And it said this this week about trust. It says, the current of fallen Eden, which is fallen perfection, uh, pulls us away from trust. We must fight to trust. We give all our trust, all our obedience, all our strength, and all our thinking to Jesus. We defeat the devil by believing and obeying God. 
that as we experience freedom through Jesus, one of the things that's going to grow in us is trust. And one of the ways that we experience that trust paying off is by seeing God work in our lives through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, again, is God living inside of each and every one of us to make us more like him. And we're made new in every way to reflect the glory of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is verse 17 again where it says, for the, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Jesus came into the world to, to create freedom. There's one point early on in his ministry where he walks into a church, he takes a scroll that was written hundreds of years ago. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he gives a bunch of examples of freedom that he's going to bring, of captivity that he's going to end, of oppression that is going to cease. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to live that out in the world through spiritual gifts. That's gifts that God knows about each and every one of us. Things that he gives to us uniquely that already fit within our personality. Where God says, I know you exactly the way that I made you. And I'm going to give you a spiritual gift so that you can, uh, you can communicate my love for people across the world. It's a spiritual gift. It's God's unique fingerprint on our lives encouraging us and using us to spread the gospel through the world. And so we live in a world with sickness and disease. This happened when people sinned at the very beginning of human history. And it continues and it'll continue until Jesus comes back and changes everything and makes our whole world, our whole world perfect and new again. In the meantime, we live in a world with sickness and disease. So how does God show love in a world of sickness and disease? Well, we look at the person of Jesus. Anytime we want to know how God does something, we look at Jesus. One of my favorite stories, we're going to read it in the Bible uh, tomorrow if you're following the shape plan, uh, is Jesus is in a packed house and there's a group of people outside. There's four of them. They've got a friend who's paralyzed and they're trying to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus, but they can't bring him to Jesus. And so they make a hole in the roof and they drop their friend down in front of Jesus. And there's a bunch of people there who need help, like us. There's a bunch of religious people who are upset with Jesus, like 24-7. And so Jesus knows everybody's hearts, knows the people who are angry at him and the other people uh, who need healing and want to experience the love of God. And he looks at the man who's just been dropped in front of him on, on a blanket. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Like That's what we want to hear from Jesus, you know? That, that the stuff that we've done that, that we shouldn't have done, that our regrets, our mistakes, our past, our present, the things that we can't get out of our own way on, they're forgiven. But there's more, like, right? So, so, so the man is forgiven. He's now made right with God, but he's still lying there paralyzed on a mat. And the people who, who are always upset with Jesus, they say, you can't forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. So Jesus, in perfect holiness and perfect authority and perfect love. He looks at the man, having heard only God can forgive sin. He says, let me prove to you the authority that I have. And he looks at the paralyzed guy and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk home. And so the guy jumps up. He grabs his mat and he runs out and everybody's floored. That's the spirit of God to bring healing in our world. It's forgiveness and it's healing. It's the cross, the message of the cross that, that says that our, our sin has been dealt with, our sin has been paid for. When God looks at you and me, he no longer looks at our disasters, at our mistakes. He sees Jesus' perfection painted over it. But it's also the empty tomb where God conquered our diseases, conquered our sickness, conquered the, the brokenness that we have in us and walks out restored and free and brings us with him to do that. We're made whole through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And Jesus has the authority to continue to heal us today. This wasn't a one-time thing. He owns all of our bodies. He knows how they work. He knows how they don't work also. And what he does through the Holy Spirit is empowers us to pray for each other, to see healing come in our world, in our day, in our church, in our lives. Because Jesus has authority and he releases us to go do the work that he did and even more. Even when that means healing. He gives us the authority. I've got a five-year-old son. His name's Micah. Uh, he says crazy things all the time, uh, and I usually share them with you because it's fun. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were taking some stuff from the, our new building to uh, main campus, and the new building, it, there's some parts that look really nice, and there's some parts like the lawn and the sanctuary that just look bad, and hopefully that's going to change next month, and that'll be amazing. Uh, so I need to take some stuff out of the sanctuary, and it's really hot. It's the end of the day. I'm tired, and I'm in charge. I can kind of do what I want. So I drive the car onto the grass, back it up right to the sanctuary door. It basically, so I have to open the sanctuary door, open my hood, and I've got like three feet of walking. And my son is old enough to know that unless you're in Mississippi, you don't drive on the grass, especially at church. So he says to me, Dad, why are you on the grass? And I say, Son, I'm in charge. I can do what I want to. I've got the authority. It's like, all right, fine. I'm going to go play on the playground. And so I unload everything and all that stuff, and then I need to take it back to main campus. And I drive into main campus, and I park on the sidewalk right next to the building, and he's like, Dad, you're not in charge here. You can't park here. And he's 100% right, but it was late in the day, and so nobody saw it. And I told him, snitches get stitches. You keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Jesus has all authority in healing. He's got authority to park where he wants He's got authority to work in our lives to do what he wants. But unlike me at main campus, Jesus empowers his church to go out and do the things that he did. He empowers his church to be representations of him on earth, to do things like pray for healing. And at that point, it's in God's hands. And we trust God as our healer. And I was thinking about this this week, like this is the part of the service that as a control freak, as an organized person, like I want everything to work well and I want God to show up. And this is where God says, I'm going to do what you can't do. God pours out his spirit, uh, pours out his presence in areas of healing because he's a good God who has good things. He's the perfect father. The verse that we skipped over that I was saving, it's, uh, it's verse 12. It says, since this new way of us relating to God gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We can be bold. We can ask for healing. Hebrews 4.14, it's another verse along the same lines. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This is the heart of God saying that it's okay to ask him things. If you've asked for healing in your life in one specific area for years, we're not bothering God by continuing to ask it. Asking humbles us. Asking sometimes humiliates us. But what it does is it puts us in the hands of God to do what God wants to do. We put ourselves in God's hands for him to pour out his healing where we need it. And so for us, that, that's our challenge today. To say, oh God, you're my healer. What do you want to do in my life today? Where do you want to bring healing? And I'm going to challenge us to, to not just fall into, you know what, God doesn't do those things anymore. I've never seen it happen. I don't think it's going to happen. No, the thing that I want us to cling on to today is the Bible telling us time and time again, ask. Jesus says, ask. The verse we just said, the verse we just read from Hebrews says, ask. The verse in, in 
2 Corinthians 3.12 says, ask boldly. We can do this because we worship a God who loves us and wants to work in us. My kids are at the age now, the three of them, where, where they, they're starting to do more things on their own. And every once in a while, they'll come up to something that I know they cannot touch. Like, they're not fixing that whatsoever. And so I'll tell them, like, hey, do you want me to help you with that? I can do that. And most of the time, they say, no, I got this. And I used to just stand there and just wait until they totally give up and ask me to help. Now I just leave and go do something else. But it always comes back to the point where they say, Dad, can you help me with this? And I'm not like, ugh, so frustrating. I say, yes, I've got the tool. I can help you. And as we come to God this morning, that's how we're coming. We're not bothering our powerful, angry God. We're, we're asking the God who loves us, the God who sent Jesus for us to bring healing into our lives. Let's pray.